Kelly Gorsuch is a serial entrepreneur, master stylist, and barber, and educator with 27 years of experience and current owner of two barbershops and salon. Welcome back to the Hairdresser Strong Show. I'm your host, Robert Hughes, and today I'm with Kelly Gorsuch. How are you doing today, Kelly? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you very much. Thanks again for coming on the show. And this is why I, I'm so interesting um, to talk to. Is our industry is very worried about projecting um, how amazing, like how great it is, you know, and like how perfect and pretty and, and let's just all stay positive. And, and yeah. that's like a recipe for, it's literally a recipe for disaster. Yeah. You can't talk about the bad stuff. Like, like how do you ever run anything? Right. Because all running stuff is, is trying to mitigate the bad stuff. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> well, I had I actually had a conversation where um, I brought up the toxicity in a salon and no one wanted to talk about it. And uh, they just wanted to say like, well, it's probably, it it's probably you. You should focus on yourself. I don't disagree with it, but it's also a very yeah. good way of avoiding the conversation. Um, but this, so like we're kind of touching on. So like my whole idea is, and this is why I really want to have this conversation. I'm happy that you brought it up with so much, uh, yeah. uh, with so much vigor. And like you were talking about the different business models. And like, um, I think one of my biggest focuses is on the changing expectations and once and and rising talent that's in this industry like i what i see is i see i go up there and i'm like hey y'all got it all wrong you're you need to uh you need to assist and you need apprentice and then you need to do these steps and they're like well i don't want to hear that and uh, they're all pissed at me. And then I go to the salon owners. I'm like, hey, look, you can't keep them on the floor for more than a year. Like, they're not probably not going to want to work for you. And they're like, well, I'm not promising anybody that. Like, this is my brand, you know? And so I'm like, there's this big gap. And what and and what I realized is I was at the school and I was going up there and being like the old person saying, you got to do it like me. Instead of like with the show, I've learned that there are so many different pathways, career paths. And um so I think it's cool that you put up like deconstructing your, what you want. I think most people are thinking what they want is the glamour of being a hustler. And um, so there's nothing glamorous at all about that. No, it's a <laughs> like, tough work. It's just like want... uh, the, being a salon owner, worst thing about the industry. It's my, my least favorite part about the entire industry. Cause the thing is you can make the right, absolute right decision and you'll be demonized by two people. Right. And, and it's like you could be completely helping their career and they can't see it because they have a different thought. And, and then and you're immediately wrong in their opinion or you're trying to hold them back or whatever. But you're looking at it as a group and trying to make sure that we take care of each other and take care of the guests. And and, and that's complicated, man. And there's not a right or a wrong way to do any of that, because this is why I don't believe in like a lot of like. um I don't, I don't believe in a lot of the like life coaches in our industry, right? Because like there isn't a right way. And, and even right. in my own salons, it's, it's constantly shifting. And so like, you know, you, that, that's it in a nutshell. That's our industry. I mean, we're, we make decisions that are not based on the best of information. And a lot of times it's based on feelings and, and your fee fees just don't matter at the end of the day. Like I make decisions based against what I believe all the time. Right. 
So in in this journey and uh, that I've been doing with this show and learning about all of these pe- different people's uh, uh, perspectives, experiences, and pathways and business models, the trend, the trend, are the the topic that seems to be constantly um, always there is. Uh, a lot of people see the industry changing. Um, I definitely see it changing uh, into what I don't know, but the biggest <laughs> the biggest thing that I see changing is the the wants and desires of stylists. And I think COVID sped that up a lot. So, like, what I really like to get into whenever I have the chance is this topic of like attitude, mentality, looking forward at like what my career looks like, or is there a different way to do business? Is there different technology that's available to help us better do business to serve serve these these changes? You know, where are all these people going to work, or are they all going to fall on their face and end up going backwards and going through the same process that? like I went through or you went through like a slower journey to getting to where you want, you know, is this like a temporary move for where people are just going to jump out, fall on their face, go back and realize they did it wrong. Or is this, no, is there like a new path forward coming out of school? I mean, these kids, I think they're coming out light years ahead of where I was when coming out of, you know, at my apprenticeship program with all this education and stuff. So like there is that. Uh, And they also have, they seem at least to have the ability to build their book f- way faster than most hairdressers that I knew coming out of, uh, coming out of school. So those are the pros, the positives I see, uh, for them, but then there's a gap. There's like, where are they getting the information they need to like build a book of diverse hairstyles and like actually working with the hair just because they can do a better job than what I did coming out of school. I think I was probably more well-rounded within the first year after my apprenticeship program um, than they are because they kind of tend to focus on certain, like whatever is trending these certain styles. So like, you know, what does that look like? What does that do to the industry, et cetera? So like, it's a lot of different big conversations, I think. Uh, and so it can go in many well, different ways. Let's touch base on them. <laughs> huh? Let's touch base on them. Let's touch base on them all. Uh, okay. okay. So first, first, let, let me ask, what was wrong with the industry? Uh, well, I don't know that anything was wrong with it. I think that, um, I think that stylists, I think that young people going into school, they, this is my theory. They go, these young people, they go into school, they're on their phones all the time. They're seeing Mm -hmm. this, there's being exposed to the industry before they even get in it. They see these rock star hairdressers. They see these super dope places and these super dope pictures. And then, uh, let me, let me say first, let's presuppose that if the bulk of what you're seeing is kind of the same, it's probably not good. Okay. Right? It's probably not good. It, if we know that only about 5% of all hairdressers are any good, right? You need to get to, you need to get to like that 10,000, 11,000 hours to get good in this industry. Um, since we know that only 10 to 15% get there, right? the bulk of what you're seeing can't be good. So first you have to start to ask questions. Is what I'm seeing any good, right? Are these people any good? Just because they have 600,000, I will tell you that um, Angelo Seminara has less, he he is the best living hairdresser of, and he's still alive 
in our time, period. But he's probably the best hairdresser that has ever existed, right? No one knows who his name is, right? He's a he's over in Europe, so he's out of out of you know out of mind. But like he's there, and <clears throat> no one in our country knows who he is. The best hairdresser that's ever lived, right? And and like so, if you're now thinking that someone that has seven hundred thousand followers in America who's doing just kind of you're you're cutting one length and then ironing them, it's good. Then then you first need to redefine what's good, and you you need to one take start to reverse engineer as we were talking about earlier, go find the best hairdressers that you can find that have been doing it the longest. Don't start at the earliest because they don't have the experience. Start at the longest and then look at their work and go, well, what are they doing different? Why are these guys, well, I'll tell you, if you're looking at like Luke Hirschen and, and, and David Mallet and Anthony Mascolo and, and Angelo Seminara, and if you're looking at like some of the masters that are alive and on our planet, right? The one common thread you'll see is they don't do hair the way that we see hair on Instagram. Well, why? You have to ask why. Well, are we, maybe, maybe we're looking at the wrong people. Maybe we're thinking hairdressing should go in a direction that it should not go in, right? Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to create an industry that's turning hairdressing into a commodity because anybody can cut a one length and put an iron to it. Well, if you turn hairdressing into a commodity, well, then why the hell did you get in this industry? You got in this, you can't tell me you got in this industry to, to not create, but to copy. I, I just don't buy, I don't buy it for a second. I got into this industry to create and do beautiful things and push forward with the people that I was beside and, and, and do a different direction, a different voice. I didn't get into this industry to, to, to do a one length and, and set uh, the same shape curling iron on every single person. I just, I, I just don't buy it, right? But the thing is, you're getting bombarded. It's like a, a little bit of a, a, like a torture, right? You're getting bombarded with images that are bad because that's the bulk of hairdressing, right? So you stim, you start to go, well, wait, 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 is this, is this maybe right? But it's not right. It can't be right. If everybody does it, it can't be right. Right, because we know that only five percent of all hairdressers are any good. So if you start at the top and pick out those top hairdressers, and you start to see, well, what kind of feeling are they cutting with? Well, they're cutting hairdressing on a completely different level, right? Or you, are you are you following forty dollar hairdressers? Or are you following four hundred dollar hairdressers? Right, like <clears throat> because I will tell you that like four hundred, the game changes. They're, they should be totally different industries. And so what we were talking about earlier with like reverse engineering with the with the booth rental is like if you want to be at the top it's a different industry right you wouldn't say that 11 madison park and noma are the same industry as as mcdonald's like right. they're just not they're two different industries right so we need to separate and be honest about it and separate and be okay separating it not being like well he said that and like he wants to be like an elitist and I'm like so what i'm sorry like i want to retire from the industry and i want the industry to be good and, and if i'm a bad guy for saying that I, you know i'm happy to be the bad guy i'm happy to be voldemort you know and and <laughs> I've now use that i've used that analogy twice which is great for me um i think it works um but I think you have to really ask some hard questions, right? Like, who are we glorifying? It's crazy, right? Like, I grew up in utter poverty, probably the worst poverty you could imagine in America, right? It, I know poverty. I know nothing about poverty compared to the rest of the world, 
right? I, I had a great childhood. I laughed my ass off. Like I had fun the whole way, right? The people who glorify that never make any sense to me. It's the same thing in our industry. Like the people who glorify like this middle and bottom, I just, I, I don't, I don't understand. And the only thing that I can figure out is that they can't contemplate hairdressing being that good. Right. Okay. Like, so I got a question. Okay. So yeah, on, on this, on this like point, um, uh, what do you think about um, the fact uh, in your perspective, when a cust when a customer, just thinking about the customer from the customer's perspective, are they, are they coming in and bringing in basically all the same pictures for the most part? I mean, that's pretty much my experience. There's like a pretty small yeah, but, group. But the, but the client doesn't know what they're talking about. They're not trained in this, right? So like they bring you in a picture, take that they want a feeling. They don't want the picture. Right. Does that make sense? Right? Like yeah. they look, how are they going to tell you how to layer hair? How are you going to tell them how you're going to layer their hair? They don't know what you're talking about. You're just trying to make them feel stupid, right? Like, think about it. You, you take a car to a mechanic's office um, and they sit there and they tell you how a carburetor works. The, the whole thing is designed for them to make you feel stupid and then more important. Well, we do that too. On a, on, that's what basic hairdressing, bad hairdressing is. They come in and you try to make them feel stupid about themselves, right? But like the real thing is you going, hey, you showed me a cool picture. You pay, are paying me this much money for a reason. I'm going to give you that feeling, but I'm going to give you the best haircut of your life. And it may or may not end up being that picture, right? But you have to, one, you have to be confident. Two, you actually have to be skilled. And three, it has to be right. You don't get to guess, right? So the one thing I'll say is middle hairdressing, basic hairdressing is the Vidal Sassoon thing, repeatable hairdressing, right. right? Great hairdressing is the Gene Chalco of the industry, like the guys who do it with, with uh, art, right? Like with, with an eye, they use their eye. Great hairdressing is a combination of the two. So you think you can- right? You have to have both eye and repeatable hairdressing. So do you think that- um someone could learn some of these more repeatable looks and apply them to a large enough percentage of their clientele to help them uh, establish an income while they're continuing to learn to become a great hairdresser? Of, of course, of course. Okay. I mean, it's a journey, right? Like, I mean, the one, the one great thing is the client doesn't know any better. Right. They, well, yeah, they only have their right. experience. So if they haven't been to someone at that level yet, well, they don't know what that level is yet. Right. Like when I cut hair, I'm cutting for the hair to like basically dry into the shape I want. I'm not hoping that they I'm, I, I have to cut hair on a level where like if they don't put an iron in or a brush in their hair, it still needs to look good. Well, that's right. a very different level of hairdress. 100%. Right? Because I'm, I'm cutting 100% for their density, for their texture, for their shape. I'm teaching them how to use product. I'm teaching them how to use hand styling techniques that they can do at home because I want their hair to look good all the time, not just when they style it once a week. Right? That's, that's brutal hairdressing, in my opinion. If you're forcing your people to get up and, and style hair for an hour a day, you, you're not doing them any favors. And they'll pay right. you triple to not have to do that. Um, so the answer, the answer to your question is no, I don't, I don't know. I mean, yes, I think it's, I think you can, 
you can you have to start somewhere i mean it's right. a, and we all start from zero so to pretend like any one of us starts on a different part of the spectrum is just insane we all start from zero where we know nothing absolutely nothing and the quicker you realize that the quicker you can start on your journey um and and to realize what you know is nothing right like because i came out of hair school and they were like oh you're going to be like one of the great greatest hairdressers day one and i went to one of the best schools that ever lived and i came out and i knew nothing and you have to like, you have to know that. And the only way to know that is work around people that are better than you. And, and then to teach because you can't get good at this industry unless you can, you can uh, suss out what you're thinking and then teach that to someone else. Right. And, and, and so that touches on that thing earlier. It's like, Oh, you know, there's a lot of bad education out there. Right. Like th this industry is since I've been in it has been rife for, uh, life coaches and bad instructors and bad like for for instance like I and I don't I don't mind name dropping I don't really you know want you to have to bleep anything out but like there's a there's some people that coached everybody to become um to become like good independent stylists right and they have like a whole coaching thing around it and you know they're very famous um but when I listen to them they don't know what the hell they're talking about they've never owned anything well, why would you listen to someone who's never owned anything? Like, they, they just they, you, there's enough people who own stuff that you could just walk in and talk to. Why would you ever pay someone? And and then the funniest thing was like recently they posted something that was like commission salons are the new the new the wave of the future. I'm like they've never gone away. It it it, it exists because it's a great model, right? It's the same as as chair rental. It works for people who want to work two three days a week. Like it makes sense. Right. But like if you care about the industry and you want to be a full time hairdresser and you want to make money and put your kids through college and you want to retire from this field. Well, it doesn't make sense for you. Right. If it's just a, if just a supplement, like some income and like you get you out of the house, like, great, I'm for it. Right. But just being honest about what the industry is, is one, it's scary. Right. Because if you listen to me, you're like, oh, this guy's so negative. Right. Like, I, I mean, I posted posts about like what I thought the the. Um, the virus was going to do the industry on like hair nerds and i mean i got trashed for it like basically canceled for it everything i said is true everything i said two plus years ago before we got shut down is 100 percent true yeah like what and not a single person has ever came to me and been like oh I'm sorry about that you know it's like oh don't be so negative well i thought that like salons were going to get crushed yeah. i thought that like the, you know, the, the thing is, if everyone gets to go and do house calls and not pay taxes on that money, right, they're going to think because people think whatever's happening now will always happen. Mm -hmm. Right. So no one has no one's taken the next step. Well, what happens when society opens back up in a couple of years, which I thought was going to be four and it ended up being two. Um, you know, like what happens when society opens up in a couple of years and people don't want you to come into their houses anymore because they don't want right. that. Right. They don't want that. They'll deal with it because like. You know, it sounds fun for a minute, but the, they don't want they don't want to be picking up hair off of their living room floor. Right. Did you see um, did you see people, a lot of stylists wanting to go independent as a result of having the experience of taking in all the money? Yeah. And almost everybody that left me to do that is no longer in the industry within one year. No, really. Within one year. Right. Like, I mean, we had some people that left to do salons because Never has there been a more profitable time to be a hairdresser. You were getting government money and cutting under the table, right? And keeping it all and getting tipped on top of it, right? Like, 
just being honest about it, yeah, that sounds pretty good. But you're not much of a, a good member of community if you're holding out taxes on your community, right? Like, this is, a, I have a hard time listening to our community when they're always virtue signaling and not paying taxes. It, it really is like the one thing that I just don't, I, I'm just like, if you know you're not paying taxes on your money and you're holding out from society, please don't come on here and tell me how to live my life. It, it's as simple as that. Right. And, and this is where everyone, if you want to be good at anything in this world, start with one thing. What are your, what's your personal morals, your personal integrity, start with rules of how you want to live your life. And then everything else gets easier because you'll just live your life with those morals. And then if you don't do it right, because the problem with like signaling what you are, and then you deep down or not that is it's called cognitive dissonance. So one of the reasons why, I think we're the most unhappiest we are in human history is because we're all saying something we want you to believe we are. And we know deep down, that's not true. And you can't lie to yourself. So, you know, in psychology, they talk about this and it's like the, the greater that divide, the worse, you, the worse you feel about yourself. And, and so, so stop it. Just stop lying. It's pretty simple. Like I'm, I'm a hundred, I'm always, I'm a normal guy, but I feel like I'm always going crazy because I watch the world always saying all these pretty things. And I'm like, the world doesn't exist like that. It, this is tough. It's a tough world. Hairdressing is tough. Getting going, it sucks. Yeah. Uh, getting clientele is brutal. Learning how to do this is, is near impossible. Um, getting great is, is almost not doable um, because it takes so long, right? And like, you have to fake it for so much of your career. And, and that's difficult for people, but it does get easier day by day. It gets easier, but it's not easy. And right now you're, you were saying earlier, you were saying that like they, they build faster. Well, I mean, my salons, I put somebody on the floor in my salons and they build within a month at a couple hundred bucks, right? Like that's the, the brands that that's what brands build, right, right? right? When you're starting off and you have to pay someone before you even know if you have a clientele, like that's not doable. So if you kill salons and you can't start in a salon and build a clientele and then move to a chair rental, well, who's losing the entire industry? Right. Well, right? so if you're going to slowly destroy the industry, well, you're going to destroy the whole thing. You're not going to destroy just salons. You're going to destroy it all. Right. <clears throat> so that's uh, something that, <clears throat> okay. So when, uh, when a stylist wants like a lot, I've like what I've taught, what I've been talking about uh, quite a bit is that stylists uh, almost seem to have this like multi shop, plan like go somewhere hmm. l learn learn get some education go to another place maybe it's the same place but mm -hmm. go to another place to build your book and then another yeah. place to run your book the way you want to run it that seems to be yeah 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 me 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 narcissism yeah. narcissism all the way across the board all the way across the board we don't care about society we don't care about what this does to the industry. We don't care about those that come behind us, right? Like it's pretty, if you can only care about yourself, yeah, that's the, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. And you'll destroy everything else. And like, my thing is like, I got into this to, to help, not to hurt. I want to leave this industry in a better place than when I came into it. Simple as that. Um, what if, you know, and take, if they took that into account, it would be better. Well, what did, what, what about this? What about thinking of, um, you know, maybe, so the problem it sounds like with, uh, with this 
with this uh, thought process or this uh, thought pattern or this new like culture or what, however you want to say it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like the problem is the business model, the one that is educating and building people requires people to stay longer than they might want to like, like what is the lifespan of a cut of a stylist from like hiring them, training them, building them to where you actually make money off where actually make getting a return on that investment. You can't, I mean, you can't in today's world, you have to build a salon that's so dope that like you, one can beat the attrition rate through training, but, and two key people, they like understand the value of it and they have to be good people. Like, the most important thing for me is I don't hire outside the salon. I try to train people because I don't want that nonsense. You know, except for the problem is sooner or later, you only have people who only see your salon. So the grass is always greener. You know, like I can't tell right, you how many, right. I mean, I've trained thousands of people. So I can't tell you how many people I get the, the text message or the email from five to 10 years later who are like, I, I, I took it all for granted. And almost everybody sends it to me right? Because they never saw other salons. They think everybody's doing it like some brilliant way. Look, hairdressing is very, very simple. It's very, very simple. All you have to do is be there behind the chair and be focused on the guest and the whole thing works, right? Like everything else is extra. So <clears throat> meaning that like, what else is there? It's you, a pair of shears and a, pair, and a, and a head of hair. Well, what do you right? think? It's not that complicated. It ended up here. It ended up where it is on for a reason. Right. Right. Well, <clears throat> and it's not just like everyone before you was stupid. It ended up here for on, on, on for a reason. That's what that's what a free market does. It ends up in the right spot because people are making decisions that are based on the best possible decision. Well, with yeah, so however, uh, education and uh, communication have been changed dr dramatically with, with with technology. So, like, it mm -hmm. I I think that it makes sense to think of maybe is there another way we can run the business business and without that adapts to these changes that are outside of the control of the industry that still ensure that we're passing on the information and uh, places can stay open and stay it, alive? It has to pass. Look, I taught for a long time, right? And, and the one thing that used to drive me crazy was <clears throat> I can't teach anybody anything with a, with a couple haircuts. I, I, it's not possible. You have to teach them. It's so in-depth and there's so much knowledge. And, and that knowledge changes on every texture, right? Like I, I have one haircut and then every single texture I touch, it's a different haircut, right? Like I don't, it, it never, I never go about it the exact same way ever, right? And, and that's not what we're taught as an industry. Um, but I think, I think there's a problem with one, our education is horrible. It's horrible. It's a, the hair, it, just look at hairdressing in general. The worst it's ever been since I've been in the industry. I've been in it almost 30 years. A, it got so good for a minute and now it's horrible. It's, it, it's embarrassing as, as like someone who's spent my life like trying to make people better. It's embarrassing again. And it's because we as an industry have like, 
we've put a lot of stock in like the, the wrong education. I mean, it's just so bad. You have these individual hairdressers teaching before they even get to the 10,000 hour mark. I mean, that, that's, that's insane. Now, I don't mind you sharing tidbits of knowledge, which I've done my entire career with people, right? But that's how I learned to be a good instructor is I had to do it. I had to also do that for 10,000 hours, right? Like, so just think about how, how few people are out there teaching. And if you're making any money in this industry, you probably don't want to bother yourself with teaching, right? So then you so how many few good teachers are out there? But damn, how many people are out there trying to get famous teaching on YouTube? Like it's insane. And they're all trying to charge for it. And, and like, and it's not good. It's just, I'm telling you, man, it's not good. It's better than what most people have, but it's not good. Right. So you have to just be honest about what it is. And it, I, I'm for it because it helps people get to the next level. But there's nobody great out there giving away information on YouTube. It's not it's just very it, it's so rare. I mean, and if if they do, so few people can recognize it because the, the honest truth of the matter is I could be in a salon with some of the best hairdressers that ever lived. And the only people that can recognize that are the people that are them. Right. Like only I can recognize the difference between me and someone else at that level. The people under you, they're just guessing. They're like hoping they can tell because they don't have the skill level to tell. They don't know the difference, right? And, so, and that's a big part of the problem. So what do you, why do you think, um, you know, if someone builds a, builds a book and, uh, and they want, you know, what are the reasons that you've heard people say that they wanted to leave and go off and do something different? or do their own thing a hundred percent of it is is i bro like it, it's narcissism right like they want their friends to think they own a business they want they want their clients they want everybody to treat them like they're bad they're bad boss babes like i you know like it, it like the the thing here is it's so much easier just to become it to do it real to to become like work yourself through a career where you can make money you get a clientele you get a group you get a voice you you and then you magically will get there right like it'll happen and it'll happen right so when you get there it'll stick the problem i see in this industry is most people do it way before they they should and then it doesn't stick right so what's the point so what you did it for three like, i'm going to tell you i i've had a lot of businesses be ultra successful and i've had a lot of businesses fail instantly right makes no difference to me as a human being as a human being i was just trying to do cool shit if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It doesn't tell you anything about me, right? I'm not like a better person because my businesses were successful and I'm not a worse person because they failed, right? It just is what it is. You know, it, it's not high nor low. It doesn't make any difference. And that we're putting too much emphasis on the wrong things. Like first start by being a good person, then get skilled. Start there, start there, concentrate on nothing else, right? Like those two things, those, those two pillars, will make you like yourself and you can't own a salon until you like yourself right how many people have you had come on your your show and you're just like they, they offered nothing for an hour right <laughs> like no real world experience like no like i mean i had a, a podcast where i just got tired we talked about it earlier i just got tired of doing it because i was like there's not a lot to offer out there you know like okay the, the problem is so many people have not trained they don't know what their processes is, are, are yet Right. If you're doing like 18 different things at one time, you're not doing anything at all. You're not doing you're not helping anyone. 
So if you're a, a salon owner, if we're, if you're a salon owner is watching or listening to this and they're, and they're dealing with the challenge of um, figuring out how to adapt to this uh, new, new wave of uh, desires to be your own boss or, you know, make more money or whatever these reasons uh, are. Yeah. Um, you know, I talked to oh, with this wave got to. Yeah. Sorry, that's where we were at. I forgot where we were at. Yeah. So I will say this. Um, look, kids are always going to want it. It's, it's the problem with youth is that everyone before you didn't know what they were doing. No, they're not very smart, right? And, and you somehow have all the answers at 18, <laughs> right? Like just when I say it out loud, it kind of makes me laugh. Um, but the thing here is it's very simple for salon owners. You just run the best business possible and it will work, right? Like just concentrate on you, forget them. If they leave, they leave. Like I hire good people. I hire people who want to be a part of the team and I'm happy being smaller, right? Like right now I have, I think like 10 hairdressers. At one time I had a hundred hairdressers, right? And it, no, sorry, I have 10 in the salon, but I have, you know, probably 35 total um, with the barbershop. Um, but like, I'm happy. Ten's fine. Be happy with be happy with that, right? Like if I could do it all again, run the best ten chair salon you can. It's the most profitable there is. You run a ten chair salon where you just need like two apprentices and one desk person, right? And maybe you have some like rock stars who have their own apprentices, right? Um, but just just keep it simple. Just do everything better than they could ever do it, right? Like the one beautiful thing about being a village is. I can offer them stuff that no one can offer, right? Like I can give, I can give the guests an experience that no, no prison cells ever going to do. <sighs> okay. So, so on this topic, <laughs> you, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned in the past uh, that like in the, I think it was the last, the last uh, show, conversation we had that uh, you talked about retiring. And um, so if I'm a stylist and I look at like, whether whether or not I can is not the point, but I see a, say I see owning a salon as something to help me with that goal. Um, and I don't want to be a behind the chair stylist my whole life, and I want to be able to retire. And so my thought is that I want to have ownership in a business. What um what do you, what are your thoughts about? about that like how do you what if a business requires a stylist to be present in it for it to be viable like you mentioned in the past and or or if a lot of businesses require the stylist to be in it then what is a business that doesn't require that you can actually retire on um well you have to be so there's a lot of competing thought here but um one, you have to, you have to, you have to be okay. Like we touched on earlier, you have to be okay making money for someone else, right? And then helping you make more money, right? It should be twofold, right? I, it, it, any relationship, I have to give you something and you have to give me something for it to continue, right? Like, and it has to be like, I have to be offering away. And sometimes you may not notice that way, right? Like I teach you actually how to, to treat people or how to run your chair or like the, the apprentices are not touching the tops of water glasses when they're putting stuff down, like simple little tiny things, but then 
making those good decisions all the way across the board. So the whole thing for me is very, very simple. It's like, you can't even talk about, you can't even talk about that until you get your hairdressing right. You can't talk about ownership until you get your management right. You can't talk about ownership until you get your training right. You can't talk about anything else until you get those things right, because otherwise you're, you're in a race to the bottom. Um, right. And then once you get those things, let's presuppose you got all of those things, right. Well, now you have to like learn how to treat people in a way that like, you know, you want to be treated and you're just creating an environment where you're all in it together. And it's not this top down thing. And the problem is it will always feel top down a little bit, but you have to be okay with that a little bit because like, you're only thinking about you. It's, it's a hundred percent narcissistic for, for the average stylist, but the owner has to contemplate everything. They have to contemplate every single feeling of every single stylist, every single feeling of the apprentices, every single feeling of the shampoo people, of the desk people, of the managers, of the like, I mean, I got to take the accountant's feelings <laughs> to, uh, you know, in, into play. And then all of this hinges on treating the guests right and making sure that they're protected at the same time, which is at, at odds, right? You have two competing things here. So you have to, at one time, protect your staff from the guests, but you have to also protect the guests from your staff. And that's really difficult. So from a hair, a young hairstylist perspective, you're doing stuff that you don't like. I They're making decisions that I hate and that are hurting me personally. But you don't realize that they're, they're, they're putting a bar on how much you can charge, right? They're, they're raising that bar for how much you can charge. And the better everyone is in your salon and the better you treat the guests, well, that's how much money you make. So you're giving up crazy money long-term to make money short-term right now. And that's just, I, I mean, it's so mind-bending. I can't even wrap my head around it, right? Yeah, okay, you get out and you make some money at like a, 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 a booth rental, right? Like, or a chair rental, whatever, whatever you call it. Um, you know, but like, that's your cap, bro. That's your cap. Like the thing about salons is they remove the cap. So now you're talking about year 10. You don't want to still be charging $40 at year 10. You want to be charging 400 at year 10, right? Like that's, a, that's what you have to be thinking about. And then the whole process is just very simple. You shouldn't do anything until it absolutely had to happen, right? Don't push anything. You got you to gotta develop and then it will happen. You get good at hairdressing, you'll develop into a teacher. You get good at teaching, you develop into a manager. Right. You get good at managing, you develop into a so on and so forth. But so, the thing is here, you can't think about first, no one retires from this industry. Very few people retire from this industry. So one, you have to like understand that, okay? And then two, the only way to retire from this industry is to run a good salon for as long as you possibly can. Um, Unless you're gonna, unless you're gonna hop fields, and the only way to do that is to do all of these things, and there's no cutting corners. So, uh, what about, um, what about like the idea of? Uh, I mean, I've interviewed some people and heard some ideas of salon of business models that uh, they kind of all over the place. Like one, one might like let you completely make your own schedule uh but you have to like stick to it because that's one of the things that talking to stylists that they want to be able to have control over their schedule um yeah. and then but, and then that yeah. seems to work for that stylist that owner um but he also you know he has a super sick brand and people want to work for him for him so he he can he has the 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 
he has the ability to kind of pick the cream from the crop, so to speak. He can like really yeah. have his pick from like some of the better of the better people. Uh, so it seems that that model of focusing on education and giving them some flexibility, it seems to really only work if you got a really sick brand. But if you got like a smaller shop and um, you don't have that same drive into your shop and you're a business owner, and I've heard people saying that they, they let them be like, they'll have them as a commission employee and to a certain yeah. point, and then they'll transition over to a rental. Um, and then there's even been conversations about giving profit sharing, like a percentage of profits back to the staff. Uh, all these are to get people to stay a longer per- period of time in their lifespan. I mean, all of this just like, I mean, literally my skin's crawling. Um, first, like, if you don't know your business model and you don't have a focus, you shouldn't be an owner. It's really that simple. You can't be everything to everyone. That's literally a race to the bottom. Like we're all losing. So you have one, you can't do that until you know the direction that that's like literally clue. Number one, that this person should not be an owner, right? Like if you're like doing a little bit of everything, it's like, it's literally the worst thing imaginable um that those people should not be owners they 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 hurt more than they help um to like the thing with the with the look if you're good in this industry people are gonna let you work four days a week i, I like i don't I, I never understand that it's like every salon owner i've ever worked for if you were awesome and you made money they're gonna let you work four days a week oh, right really? the problem is when you start going hey i want i only want to work three days a week well now you're a part-timer you don't belong in the upscale Right. It, it's simple as that. Like what, you know, for me, I'm like, you don't know what you're asking for at that point, because once you go to three, what's next? It doesn't stop at three. Then it goes to two and then it goes to one. And then the next thing you know, they're not in the industry anymore. And what's crazy about this, man. And I know from experience, they start to blame you. Well, I, why am I not making money anymore? And it's like, bro, you just system, you systematically, uh, systematically just dismantled your entire career. Like, I didn't do that. You did it. I just allowed it. Right. So you got to you got to be somewhat sympathetic or empathetic to the owners who are saying no, because they're trying to stop you from making bad decisions for your own life. It's not always I can tell you this from an owner perspective. It's not always based on the most money. It's based on you like people and you want them to do well. You know, like, like I put so much, especially if they're working in the salon, they don't need you. They do not, they absolutely do not need you. If they're working in the salon, they're making enough money. They don't need you. Right. So like, you got to give them a benefit of the doubt that they're like thinking about you for, I'm not saying there aren't bad owners out there, but like I said earlier, I don't work in the anomalies. Right. Cause I like every single point I, I bring up, you'll be able to go, well, there's this one person this one time. Right. And it's like, every answer becomes, it just depends. <clears throat> Well, what about? Right? But the problem is you can't run anything in this world with it depends. Well, what about co-op, like a co-op com- co- concept? I don't like them. I mean, I don't like them. Either own it or don't. Like, get the hell, like, seriously. Like, if you want to, like, look, the guys, um, uh, David Thurston, who kind of, like, uh, pioneered this, him and Alex from uh, Butterfly Law, right? Like, in, I think they're in Arizona. I could be wrong about that. Um but they kind of pioneered, they became Pope Riot. They owned Pope Riot. So, but uh, they kind of pioneered this concept where they had a salon and then people kept leaving them. So they opened up 
a, a suite studio, but it was separate. It's not the same place, right? Like, here's the thing. Here's the biggest problem with that. And, and, and this is where it's like, you can't stay at the first level of thought. You have to look down the road. You have to go to level two, level three, or even start reverse engineering it backwards, right? You got you to gotta look at this industry and, and go, okay, so if I'm in a salon and I'm paying you commission, which is part of the village, and that allows you to have a couple extra apprentices, probably more than you need because you've got to be geared up for war for the very busiest days. You probably have more receptionists than you need because you've got to be geared up for war for the busiest days, right? But my money allows my comfort, right? I'm paying for that. That is what I'm paying for. I'm paying the owner to manage my money. He gets to keep 10% of my money, right? And put it in his pocket. That That's I'm for it. That's he put all of his life on the line. His house is on the on the loan, right? Like he has all the risk. Ten percent, dude. I pay you twenty percent to take this headache from me. Hundred percent, easy, right? But what you can't do is I'm paying you to take care of a village of people who are also paying you a commission to take care of a village and build an environment for us, and then let someone come into that environment and take advantage of all the things I'm paying by renting a chair. I'm just saying, if you did that to me, I would be gone. Literally one day, one day I'd see that where someone got to come in and use my receptionist, my shampoo people, and they paid them $200. What if, it was, what if you only did day? it from within? What if you said, this is the option here is, I mean, I, I'm not saying thing. I like it's it, I'm same, just asking. So, I'll, I'll put this to you like this. Years ago, I locked myself in a closet and I was because I was really worried about this part of the industry. And um, DC, you don't have to worry about it so much, but in Richmond, Virginia, you do. DC, the, the rents are too expensive. The, the, the amount they'd have to charge people for chairs is outrageous, right? So if I'm going to destroy, if I want to destroy my salon with a booth rental concept or a chair rental or suite rental concept, how would I do it? And I literally so I kicked my managers out of the office. I kicked my, my uh, PR people, my, my photographer. I had like a full-time photographer on the staff. Like I, kept, I kicked everybody out of my office and I sat in there for a week and just whiteboarded it out. And I was like, I built the most amazing concept and it would destroy, it would literally destroy. Um, and then I was like, I'm the only one that wins. And then I was like, I can never do this because I could never do this to my industry. Right. Because if you look at it, like, why is it that everybody that owns these concepts are usually real estate guys? Right. Why, why is it? They're, they're, they're not salon owners. Why? Because they're fucking smart and they have money and they have MBAs so they can go get loans from banks because this is free money. It's unbelievable. Money. They're paying five dollars per square foot for their for their space and then turn around and charging you one hundred and fifty and giving you nothing for it. Like it, it, like to me, it's insane. Well, what about somewhere expensive. in between though? Like, uh, why do you have to go full on all the way to this point where you're just a landlord and you have tenants? Like, can't you be something in the middle? Like why are we at the like so binary? Huh? What do you, what do you mean? But like a hybrid? Yeah. Because yeah. Like a hybrid it, or, or completely. <clears throat> because which, con of... which concept works, which con simply this, like which concept works. If, the, if one doesn't work, then why do it? Right. Like, it, it, pick one or pick the other, but, but fucking around with both is, is like just a recipe for disaster, right? Like I do not want to work beside people at 
at a top level. I do not want to work. So much of what this is, is the owner controlling the direction and the voice of the salon. And I don't want to work beside mediocre hairdressers. And if you'll take any warm body and put them in the salon beside me, I don't want to work there. And it, and it doesn't last. It, it doesn't take me a year to figure this out. It takes me one day, one bad hire, one singular bad hire, and I'm gone. How many, how many times would you be proud of working in a chair rental salon? Like, proud about the people that comes in, the hair that goes out, the people you're working beside, the way that the, the desk people are treated, the way that the shop is like up maintained, right? Like it's so, it's so few and far between. It's insane. It's not, if you don't have a village compiling, like if you don't have 10 people putting their money together to have buying power, to have a manager, to have a desk person, to have shampoo people, then it doesn't exist, my friend, right? There is no well, way to run a business good if you don't put the money in to have those people to like take care of the shop. Well, what if they did? What if they agreed to? It's, uh... it's not because that exists already. It's a, called a hair salon, <laughs> right? Like it's a commission-based model. It already exists. You're not yeah, going to like, I think this the... is the problem with our industry is they think they can outthink it. It's very simple. It doesn't work. If it did work, it would already exist. Okay, so this, this, what? Capitalism is insane. It will go in the direction of what works. Right. Well, I just... It, it, um, it's like unbelievable. This is why government can run nothing because they're making decisions based on votes, not, not on actual uh, money. Well, wait a minute. What about publicly traded companies? Publicly traded companies have shareholders that have a vote and have a say. But the shareholder doesn't get the they get a say on like who's on the board. They don't get a say on how that might, how you make how you make a hinge in the on the. You also get dividends board. and ownership. So you're you're tackling the glory side. You're tackling the more right, money side. But it forces side. the board and the and the share the shareholders force the boards and the CEOs and the and the COOs and the projecting manager all the way down to the floor to make good decisions. That's right. it. Yeah, yeah. The shareholder has no real say. They have a certain say, depending on- But they on... have no real say, zero say, yeah. zero say. They can't, I can't tell, a I own a ton of Tesla. I can't tell Elon Musk how to build a Tesla. The funny thing is here, it's like, I've done this pretty well in two different genres, right? Like hey, barbering is not the same as a hair salon. It's a different business. I've owned other business. I own, own lots of other businesses and they're all successful but like well i mean if they're going they're successful right but um you know like i will tell you that like none of this stuff is rocket science it's just doing things better than the next person and it's simple and like the more you complicate it the worse everything is the more you simplify it the better it is and and hair so like that's just an easy um, equation that I think as an industry we've gotten so far attached from because everybody's trying to tell you everybody's trying to be a life coach and a business coach and it's like no it's very very simple if you treat people well you'll have more people if you keep people longer you'll make more money because they'll be there longer to make more money and they'll be there long enough to like actually contribute to the to the whole to the more apprentices hitting the floor and more overflow to those apprentices and then those apprentices will get busy and more overflow to the next apprentices right like that is the key and it's very very simple like like give me a concept of how you can treat someone any better like any guest like give me a concept of like how you can treat a guest better than we currently do 
right? Other than thinking about every single little thing they come in right. contact with right. in the salon, which most people don't think about because they first start with their staff. Well, you don't get that opportunity. You got to do both. Right. You got to think about your, your hairstylist as well. And you got to create environments where both flourish, right? right. And, and that's very, very simple. What complex ideas can you add to that equation? There are no complex. If you run a good salon and people are making money, they'll be happy and they'll stay there. And if they know that like that money is going to a greater cause, like that should be sufficient. But the problem is we all start with this idea that there's got to be something better. Well, until you compel me that there's something better, let's first start with being with figuring out how to make what we're already doing good. Yeah. Right. Because there's a lot of smart people in the world and and we don't have something better. Right. There's seven billion people on the planet and Elon Musk exists. Right. So it, there are alien, there are actual aliens on our planet right now. <laughs> right. Like Elon Musk, who's just literally his whole company is trying to figure out how to get himself home. OK, so we know that that this alien exists on our planet and that there are very, very smart people and no one can tell me a better concept. And until you can compel me that there's a better concept, we have to stop acting like everything we're doing is wrong. Right because it's killing us all good it's that's killing good us stuff. all that's uh, this is great conversation and uh i loved uh, i love talking with you um <laughs> it's uh we've been running i'm up. very different than every hairdresser yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh i definitely would like to do this again i know it's been we uh, yeah. ran way over but um just to wrap it up with a laugh, is there a time in your career that you might have been embarrassed or made a mistake and you look back on it and uh, laughed about it? The whole thing, the whole my whole career <laughs> is like one big joke, right? Like, I mean, the funny thing is you don't know what you know. You, you don't know what you don't know. So like the one thing I'll say is like relax a little bit, man. <laughs> like everybody needs to relax a little bit because the hairdresser you are today is not the hairdresser you're going to be five years from now. The hairdresser you're five years from now will not be the hairdresser you are 10 years after that, right? And it's all embarrassing. Like everything you do, the way you talk to people, the way you treated people, the hair you did, like it is embarrassing, right? Like when I first got into this, I do what a lot of people do call craft hairdressing now. And I am totally embarrassed by the hair I did. I am totally embarrassed because once you start getting money and charging people and doing good hair, it's hard to look back on that in, in a way that you're proud of it. And it's really hard to see in the moment, man, I'm telling you, because I had the same thing. I used to look at the hairdressers that were doing great hair beside me and be shitting on it. And because I was the craft hairdresser in the salon and they were doing French hair and I used to shit on it. And now I'm like totally embarrassed by it. I'm totally embarrassed by it because they were right and I was wrong. And the only reason I thought they were wrong was because they were older than me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's it, like, literally I'm telling you, man, this is the one thing, the one regret I have in life. It's the way I treated people when I was young. Because I got into this way too early and, and it lasted way far too long. Yeah. Because as you know, men in our 20s, not the best people. We're not the best human beings. <laughs> no, I, uh... <laughs> so I had 23 or sorry, 13 years of working in this industry before I started to become a decent human being. Yeah, well, uh, that's uh, I, I love the fact <laughs> that you can reflect on that. And uh, I think that this is a great message to everybody watching or listening. And um, 
I feel like we could probably go on forever um, and keep chatting about all this stuff, but uh, we'll have to save that for another conversation. Uh, and until next time, I just want to say thanks again for coming on the show. I think this was a very valuable conversation and something that is very dear to my heart. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, look, man, I'm telling you, this is a hard subject to talk about, but the problem that makes it so difficult to fix is that you can't have an honest conversation in this industry without people saying you're negative or you're like, but like the thing is here, I want the best for the industry. And I know you do. And it's like, look, you, no one, no two people are going to feel exactly the same on anything, but having a little empathy for the other perspective is, is everything. Um, you know, and, and that's, that to me is everything about what makes our industry so pe special is being able to like, you know, come across people from all walks of life and every thought process and, and kind of have empathy for them. Um, and then hopefully we'll get something good out of it. Just talking through the message is how you get to the next step, you know, a better thing. Absolutely. But my guess is it's not going to change. It's going to go back. <laughs> it's going to be a pendulum. Um <laughs> This is great, but man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, and if you're all listening on um, podcast, please give us a rating and follow us. If you're watching on YouTube or Instagram, please leave a comment, like, subscribe. It helps support the channel. It doesn't cost you anything. And we really appreciate you. And uh, thanks again, Kelly. All right. Thanks, homie. Take it easy. All right. Peace.